0: and our minds for Christmas. And I just want to say from the get-go, I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the food. I love the family get-together. I love the gifts. I love it all. All the other holidays are great, but Christmas is my favorite. And I am excited about this next month uh, spending it with you and celebrating Christmas with you. Uh, As Steve mentioned, there are some devotions in the back. I have devotions, and I just want to take one more um, uh, opportunity to say this. Uh, Take some time, particularly parents, uh, to talk with your kids about Advent, the real reason for the season, uh, kind of reorient them or reintroduce them, and pull them away from the toys, pull them away from the iPads and the phones, uh, pull them away from the video games, and dads, you may need to pull away from the video games too. And um, but take some time, maybe at breakfast or at dinner, before you go to bed, just to kind of talk through uh, the story of Christmas. Um, we talk about the Advent season, and just to, to clarify, the word Advent, uh, what does it really mean? The word Advent, I mean, if you want to uh, equate it or a synonym, is uh, appearing or arrival. And, and really there's two thoughts to Advent. The first uh, thought is Advent as, as far as the prophecies that were told, particularly in Isaiah, of the Messiah to come. There, there was an arrival, an appearing of the Savior that is to come. But there's also a second aspect of Advent, and that is the arrival of the appearing of the second coming. Of Christ. And so there's two different thoughts of Advent. Uh, and the idea is this, is that we embrace Christ at the first coming so that we can rejoice and celebrate with him in the second coming. Because if we miss him in the first Advent, then we can't really celebrate with him in the second Advent. And so the idea of Advent is to rejoice in the coming of Christ the first time, embrace him, and then celebrate him as he Returns to us. Um, now, I want to go one step further and say this. Not only do I want you personally, you and your families, to embrace all this about Jesus and coming, the arrival, the appearing, but I also want to ask you to take the initiative to share this message with others. I, I read this, I reread this from a book I read that said this As our culture becomes more and more post Christian, And in some ways anti-Christian, we are seeing fewer and fewer times when the celebrations of the church and the celebrations of our culture come together. But for the most part, our churches and culture intersect in celebrating Christmas. Now, our motives of celebration may be different, but they do intersect, and it gives us an opportunity to share the true meaning of Christmas. And what you'll find is that people in the culture will be belting out truth in the songs that they sing. They'll sing like joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. They'll say that, and we get a chance to talk and unpack and explain that. So what I'm asking you is to make sure your vision is to make the most of Jesus during this season as well. And here's our prayer, of Grace, and hopefully in your prayer as well, is that during Christmas, great conversations of Jesus can be had and possibly great conversions can be celebrated in the midst of we begin our Advent season, titled Holy Light. Listen to what David said in Psalm chapter 36, verse 9. In your light do we see light. In your light we see light. Now we know that David is using natural sunlight, using it as a metaphor for divine or spiritual light, and, and that's all for Scripture. But as you think about light, and you think about how to articulate light. If somebody came to you and said, uh, describe light. It's one of those things that sometimes it's hard to articulate. And sometimes we begin stumbling over. And the same thing can be said of divine light. Now, Scripture in Revelation chapter 21 and 23, 23 says says that, that light is the radiance of God's glory. But as far as that goes, how do we really explain spiritual or divine light? There's far more than meets the eye, but we do know the effects of light. We do know the purpose of light, and we do know the need of light. And here's some things about light. Number one is that light gives vision and sight. Without light, you can't see. Light also helps us with rhythm. When the sun goes down at night and there's no light, we can rest. Light helps with sterilization and purification. Light regulates temperature like the sun fire, light gives warmth, light can impact our mood. How many of you on a gray, cloudy day are in a good mood? (laughs) But when it's sunny outside, light affects our mood. Light helps feed us, but we eat plants that needed light. We eat animals that eat the plants that needed the light. Light helps feed us. Light helps uh, build our immune system and gives us strength with vitamin D. Another thing light does, it also helps us know if somebody's attractive or not. (laughs) In the dark, maybe so, But then the light comes on. Not so much. All types of different things that light helps us do, helps us understand. and Scripture never separates light and life. And David says, in your light, do we see. In your light, do we see. Our physical bodies have eyes and therefore need light to see. In the dark, we don't know the way to go. We don't know how to move forward. In the dark are there all kinds of, and scripture talks about myriads of dangers, things that can trip us up in the dark. That's why Scripture says divine light shows us the way in following God and pleasing God. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp or a light into my feet, a light into my. Light reveals our spiritual surroundings. People dwelling in the darkness have seen a great light. And those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. Matthew 4.16. And light gives us spiritual knowledge about our knowledge. 2 Corinthians 4:6. God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. All of us need light. David paired life and light together in his author of the scripture. Spiritual light and life, like natural light and light, are woven intimately together. And so, as we come to this Advent season, we understand the holy light of God found manifested in the person of Jesus. So, this morning, in the first Sunday of Advent, we're going to focus on the light of For this morning, we thank you. Well, we've already got to participate with you in the singing. So when we were in Kenya, um, they do not work by a watch, they work by a calendar. And so this morning I had until like 3 or 4 in the afternoon to share the message. Uh, So we're going to talk about hope. Hope. Listen to these biblical quotes on hope. J.I. Packer, he says this, The Christmas message is there, is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon. Hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born and stable, so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. And I love this one by the late R.C. Sproul who said this, hope is called the anchor of the soul, Hebrews 6, 19, because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish, a wish that such and such would take place, rather it is that, listen, that latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has i never stopped to think about the power that hope has. Hope has kept people going and moving forward in dire situations. Hope has kept their hearts and minds active during great persecution, giving them great perseverance. It's been said that hope has lived when everything else has died. impact on our soul. And one way we can recognize of Israel was looking for help and defense and security at the time of Isaiah's reign. And what they were looking for was this hope that was going to come from allies to protect them, or maybe even a king that would help them. And God, through Isaiah, keeps reminding them and prophesying, don't look for other things, look to me. I'm your hope if you remember in Isaiah chapter 10, Isaiah predicts and prophesies that this hope is going to come through the Davidic line, the line of David. And what just happens? He says he cuts down and leaves a stump, meaning that all the other possibilities for Israel are cut off. All the other options of hope are cut off. in this room right now that feel or are experiencing a loss of hope. That in their lives, the things that they've been reaching for feel cut off. that feel distant. That nothing seems to be working. And maybe in some way you can relate to Israel cut off. And there's this hopelessness. There's this longing. Maybe it's people you thought were close and that now they're really far from you. Or that you thought and believe that one thing was to be true and now it's taken a different turn. It's left you empty and confused and in the dark. Maybe you feel like the people of Israel longing for hope. And all the options have been cut down. The great thing is that Isaiah chapter ten talks about the stump things being cut off. But listen to Isaiah chapter eleven, verse one: A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse; from his roots, a branch, capital B branch, will bear fruit. God has always promised His presence of hope in our lives, even when things seem cut off and distant and hopeless. God's promise of hope is always there. And listen to what he says about himself. You did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. Can anybody relate to the God of hope? It's a promise of God. How many of you have ever made promises?
1: Not everybody's hand just shot straight up. <laughs> First service was like this too.
0: hesitate because we've experienced broken promises because we've broken promises ourselves and we've been on the receiving end of broken promises and sometimes sometimes we can take the experiences of our broken promises and lay them on God and we think that God's promises may not match what he says about himself or what he But I'm here to tell you this morning that God has never, ever broken a promise. And he says, I promise. of uh-huh. With the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. This is not natural. But Isaiah is saying that God, the God of hope, can do something supernatural. And we're in unity. Built into this great picture is this power of forgiveness and unity. you know, and have experienced, there's always a threat to the hope of Jesus. Here is the guy. There is nothing to say, anything good to say about Herod. Nothing. In this one account alone, Matthew chapter two, he lies to the magi. He killed the baby boys of Bethlehem, and he tried to kill Jesus. It's a pretty bad thing. And he killed out of spite. And he killed to stay in power. Human life meant nothing to him. Josephus, the great historian, says that Herod was barbaric. And like all tyrants, he held tightly to his power and his hope in himself. It's been said that Herod, that killing was what Herod did best. And one day these wise men come into of the Jews. Now notice that question. One who is born king of the Jews. Now stop a minute. Who had been given the title king of the Jews? Herod. Herod in his mind was king of the Jews, but he was not born that way. Remember he had killed in order to keep this title, and he continued to kill in order to keep his position. In verse three it says, when Herod heard this, about this question, who's born king of the Jews? He was disturbed. Now, this word "disturbed" is this idea, this picture of shaking violently. He was messed up. There was a threat to the hope he had in himself. No wonder all his foes. and where the Messiah would be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what had been written in the prophet. Now things are starting to get a little bit intense for Herod. Some things are starting to come true. What if this baby really is the one born king of the Jews? It's a threat to his own hope in himself. He knew he must stop it. And so Herod tries to stop this crazy act of God by killing the hope in Jesus. You must do it quickly. Verse seven says this. Then Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them what exactly, well, what counted uh, out from them the exact time of star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may worship him." Now, just so we're all on the same page, Herod had no intentions of worshiping Jesus. step off the scene, we hear this in verse 12. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Wise men, Herod saw he had been tricked by the Magi and became enraged. Listen to verse 16. When Herod saw that he tricked by the Magi and became very enraged, and he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of the in Sidney from two years old and under. In church history, this is called the slaughter of the innocents. Herod kills all the male babies from two and under. Why? To keep the hope in himself intact. Many people go to great lengths to keep the hope in themselves alive. Here it does. You and I know that there is always going to be a threat of the hope of Jesus inside. And sometimes the threat comes from our own selves. Mm-hmm. This morning. Does the presence of Jesus threaten your hope? Or give you hope? leads us to the final point this morning is hope is God's salvation. Listen to Psalm 80, verse 7. It's a great verse. Turn us again to Do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hope this team wins. I hope that team wins. It, it's almost like this wishful thinking. But the Bible talks about this assurance, this conviction, this confidence that God is going to do good to us in the future. us, he would turn his face towards us and save us. First Peter 1 3 says this, his mercy, his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection. makes me weak. A living hope. A desire to see and experience the glory of God in our lives and in our world. One author said this, and it speaks to the second advent I mentioned earlier Time destroys most hopes, they fade and then die. But the passing of time only makes Christians hope that much more hopeful and glorious. Let me just summarize that by saying this. How many of you are hopeful for heaven? That's when your hand really can come. That all this temporary stuff is one day going to be over. And that we will live forever with the hope of Jesus. Where there is no darkness, only light. When we are born again, we exchange the passing of hope of man and transfer it to the eternal hope and glory of God. Jesus says this the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? John 1 9, there was the true light. the salvation of God, the hope of God, is found in trusting Jesus who gives us light and life. It's been said, it's not what you know, but what you do with what you know that makes the difference. It's not what you know, it's what you do with Sin separates us from God because it's holy. When God responds to sin, it is with a specific purpose in mind to draw us to our attention and His need and our need of grace to call us to repentance and restore to us unhindered fellowship with Him. This is the hope. This is the only hope. But you feel like Israel cut off. This morning is the morning to place our hope in Jesus. The the only secure thing for this life and the next life. This morning we're going to participate in communion as the
1: team makes its way forward to play the last song together. To about taking